talk about Leafs and also some other signings around the NHL. Dave Poulin, our terrific TSN hockey analyst. Dave, how's it going? Going well, Andy. How are you doing? Doing well, sir. And before we get to the Leafs talk, a couple hours ago it was announced the Tampa Bay Lightning locking in Nikita Kucherov to an eight-year, $76 million extension. And Dave, we're so hung up, obviously, about the excitement of John Tavares coming to town, but that Atlantic, especially the top with the Lightning, Bruins, and Maple Leafs, that division is going to be a lot of fun this year. It really is, Andy. And you know, when we were all speculating on where a certain number 65 in Ottawa may be going that could affect that even further. Now, I don't know whether the uh, Kucherov signing, you know, preempts that or changes the flow of that, or if it's tied to it in any manner, but it does seem the timing is a little bit off. We, you know, you hadn't even heard a word about negotiations, which is as it should be, but for him to get done is is obviously a great situation for Tampa and they may in fact, be moving on from Carlson with that signing. But it's still a longer-term thing for Carlson in terms of how it would fit. Next year, Kutrov is signed on his old contract at like $4.7 million. So short-term, it's still fine. But uh, I thought the timing was interesting. So when we look at, at Carlson, and that's, that's the next big piece, we think, to fall somewhere in the NHL, how much do you put – because you, you, you hear it, Dave, right? Like, oh, Ottawa's not going to trade in the division or not trade with this team or, or X team. Do you think that is as much of a factor, uh, more so than, okay, let's get the best deal? Because if I'm Ottawa, you're not contending. I would be looking to get the best deal no matter who the team is. Do you think that's a factor of where where he could go? Ottawa has, has some sort of idea? I think you have to be looking at the best deal, Andy. I yeah. really do. And it's just a complex situation. And you know, to to have been through with Mike Hoffman and, and make a statement about not trading in the division, see him come back into your division hours later, <laughs> you know, shows you how fickle it can be. And in this situation, I think the complexity continues to be Bobby Ryan's contract. And I maintained and was very vocal that you have to totally separate those two things because if you are trading Eric Carlson that's what you're going to be judged on is the return on that. No one's ever going to factor in from a fan standpoint that, oh, yeah, but you got rid of a contract. And the other factor about Bobby Ryan's contract is it's going to be a – he has signing bonuses involved, so it's going to be a cap over cash situation and not to get too complex. But when the cap number is higher than the cash number, that becomes attractive to low-budget teams Hmm. because if you're trying to get to the floor and you have – you have a higher cap number than a cash number that becomes a cheap contract for you. And it's been proven. I mean, you, you, you can trade these contracts from Chris Pronger to, you know, uh, to David Clarkson to Pavel Dadzuk. These contracts are movable contracts. And so I don't see the necessity to tie it to Eric Carlson. I would separate those two things, but here's an irony for you, Andy. One thing that could be holding this up, is look at all of the heat that Joe Sackett took in Colorado for how slow and methodical he was in trading Matt Duchesne. Right. And yet look at the home run he hit in that deal. And it wasn't really a three-team deal. The, the um, tourist deal was made to Colorado, and then tourists was traded to Nashville. So he essentially really did a great job Joe Sackick did on that of, of taking one player and turning him into two commodities 
and getting a real bounty in return. It wasn't a three-way deal. That's a little bit of a misnomer. Yes, three teams were involved, but it was two distinctly different deals. So he traded tourists, got that ransom back, traded four tourists, and then traded tourists and got that ransom back mm. in, in Samuel Gerard from Nashville. And he was praised so much after being criticized. All of a sudden he was praised. It was, wow, look at the patience he showed and look at what he got back. So in the back of, of Pierre Dorian's mind is that factor in there because he was one of the teams involved in that deal. Right. Dave, that's such a great point. Because, yeah, all the media pressure, and especially for Ottawa, who, if they're real, real with themselves, they're not doing anything this year. Right? This is, this is a, you got to start figuring out the future. So as far as, there's not a rush per se to try to, okay, we got to get Carlson done here because we're trying to get pieces back to, to go for it. It's, well, it's not to get the best deal. Though, Andy, is, is the player still does control this to a point. Yeah. You know, that's the one complexity here. And, you know, depending on Eric Carlson's timing and what he's going to do, and, and we just watched a pretty significant free agent and John Tavares walk on his team at the end of it. And, and I was a free agent once in my career. And when I got through to Christmas, I was in Boston, and I got through to Christmas, and the Boston management group approached me one day and said, hey, we'd really like to talk contract now. And I said, no, I'm fine, thanks. <laughs> you know, I've played half the year with no deal moving forward. I'm going to play the second half of the deal and exercise my right to be a free agent. And that's the danger you get into mm. with a player. Once he's absorbed some of the risk of playing that final year of his contract, he may just say, hey, I've only got three more months here. I, I'm willing to accept the rest of the risk. So you could get in that mindset as a player of, I want, and I, I would assume, Dave, too, to a point, it's kind of, it's probably nerve-wracking a bit, but it's also probably a little bit exciting if you've never gone through that process, right? Well, it is, and the rules were very different then, and, and you had to be 31 and you to be an outright free agent, but you also, um, there was a league average contract involved at that point, and so to get there was almost unheard of at that point, and I had qualified in every manner. Now it's a little bit different, and you can essentially get there at 25 years old if you've played seven years in the NHL and your contract lines up with your age. But, yes, I did get to a certain point, and I'm like, you know what, I, I'm, I've earned the right to explore the market, and I'm going to do that. And, and that's one of the things the player does control right now in Ottawa. And you have to be careful of. In conversation with Dave Poulin, TSN Hockey Analyst on Twitter, at DJPoulin20. So, Dave, back to the Maple Leafs here. So we're all still all excited on, on John Tavares coming, the possibilities there. With the defense, what type of defender, what type of upgrade do you think the Maple Leafs can make? Because I get, I get tweets in and all that, like, oh, go, get, go get Carlson, go get XYZ superstar. And we know that's really not... A, a possibility because of financials and et cetera. But to upgrade, is it like would kind of that that stay at home, not a sexy name, but just somebody as far as an upgrade, clear the zone type of guy? Is that the type of defender the Maple Leafs will try to get to to try to upgrade that unit as a whole in some way? Well, I'm laughing because I was asked this question like seven seconds after Tavares was signed. Yeah. <laughs> and, and I just laughed. We were on the panel that day, and I'm like, is, is anybody going to enjoy this if you're a yes! Maple Leafs fan for exactly. just a couple of minutes? <laughs> Maybe just say, wow, this is really great. Let's not focus on immediately on what else we can do. <laughs> um, a couple of thoughts on that, Andy. You know, last year they made a decision to stay in-house and, and try and – an upgrade from within in, in Callie Rosen and Andreas Borgman, who both started the year up with the big team. So I would expect a year later, 
you're going to do something of the same fashion, maybe include Justin Hall in that group. Um, Timothy Lilligan may get exhibition games. Uh, Andrew Nielsen, who was pretty highly regarded, maybe, you know, got passed by a little bit. But that's all in-house. And you've got six Leaf defensemen signed. Um, you lose Roman Polak. Uh, there, there's a wild card here in Igor Ashanaganov if I'm saying that correctly, um, the, the 25-year-old Russian that was signed, the Russian defender, that's a wild card for everybody. Nobody knows exactly how he will fit into the mix. But there is one name out there, Andy, and that would maybe I be considering, and I didn't get to see this team a lot this year, and I did not see them live, but just in looking at the numbers, the last two years has been a very dependable player, and I always look for some sort of connection. This player does have a connection with the head coach and Mike Babcock. And, you know, he's a veteran player, very cerebral player. And if you're bringing an older player into the mix, like Ron Hainsey, I believe, has done for them, you want that cerebral aspect of the game where players learn from watching a player like that. And that's Dan Hammies out of Dallas. Hmm. You know, he's 35 years old. He played. He was part of the Sochi Canada Olympic team for Mike Babcock. Very, very dependable. And so is that, you know, at 35, is that a low-risk situation that you could bring a player in? And, you know, what they've been able to get from Ron Hainsey to me is absolutely remarkable. And I thought that was a very, very under-the-radar signing when they made it coming out of Pittsburgh. And, you know, he, he has really been an important part of that group. And, and could they repeat that formula you know, without giving anything up in the trade and build some security back there for, you know, the Rosens and Borgmans and Lilligren, Hole, whoever that is, to maybe buy a little more time. Now, what you'll start playing with shortly here is the waiver situation with some of these guys. Like Justin Hole would need waivers to go down to the Marlies. Did he impress mm-hmm. other teams this year where they're willing to take a chance on him? So that's the game you play in terms of controlling a player and you don't control them past a certain age and then you would have to expose them to waivers. Now, you know, there are ways to get players through. There's a timing issue. It seems like, you know, a couple of days before the waiver push in training camp, there's so many names on that, you know, players slide through that surprise you a little bit. And, you know, in this case, they have players in the same pool who may be the case, but I wouldn't be surprised to see them stay status quo and go with the young core group and reward some of the guys that were big role players in that Calder Cup championship for the Marlies. And, you know, because that's the whole tenet or idea is to say, hey, we're going to reward and, and, you know, promote from within. And ideally that's a perfect situation if you have it. So taking a look in-house is the first thing. But if I'm looking at that free agent market, that's probably a phone call I would make. Interesting. Yeah, so kind of that, that balance. And you talk about rewarding, and, and that's the funnel. You want to get that homegrown talent. So if you're looking to reward players for that Calder Cup run, we got to go to the goaltender, Garrett Sparks. What do we do with him, Dave? Because that's, that's really interesting to me. Do you have him up and, and help spell Freddie Anderson more than just, okay, uh, your typical backup, go grab the second end of a doubleheader. What do you do with McElhaney? Like, how do you think the spark situation works in? Because that could be a trade chip. Like, there's, there's a lot of different things you could do there. Goaltenders are so hard to develop. Yeah. They just are because you want to give them more time. 
they develop slower, and yet sometimes the rules force your hand and don't allow for that. But Curtis McElhaney had a terrific year last year. And, you know, he was 11-5-1, but his numbers were just outstanding. And so is it not, does it not behoove you to give him the first option to play more games? It wasn't his fault. He only played in, in 17 games. That was dictated, you know, by the coach. And if you really do want to lighten Freddie Anderson's load, do you not have an excellent option to do that in Curtis McElhaney by just increasing his workload? And don't forget, he was playing off in the back-to-back on second nights. Um, so he's got a, a more tired team in front of him. So maybe he's not seeing, you know, his, his own team at its very best defensively on some occasions. And he's got a much tougher schedule. So if you gave him certain games within that that maybe were more favorable, could you increase his workload to 25 games? And, you know, that, I think that's a very real possibility. Now, you're going to have to deal with, you know, how to continue to figure out Garrett Sparks and what his role is in the organization. And that's a really, really tricky part because they've got the other young kid, uh, Casimir uh, Cascio, who they signed out of Minnesota Duluth, and they actually had to loan him out this year. They had him in the East Coast League, and then they loaned him to the Chicago Wolves. Hmm. And you can do that in the American Hockey League. So he was able to play in the American Hockey League, you know, at a competitive level, but still be in the Leafs organization. So it's not only Garrett Sparks they're dealing with in terms of developing, but I think ideally, you know, you want your prospect, your top prospect, to be an odd-numbered goalie in your organization. Because an odd-numbered goalie is a starting goalie. Okay. And if you're number one, you're starting in the NHL. If you're number two, you're backing up in the NHL. If you're number three, that odd-numbered number three, then you're starting in the American Hockey League. And then maybe your next best prospect should essentially be number five, starting in the East Coast Hockey League. Because you want to get that starter's mentality going. And you, you see a lot of teams struggle with a young backup because it's such a hard role to play. And I always thought the perfect situation was what the Leafs have right now with the veteran backup goaltender. Arguably the best I ever saw at work was with Ron Hextall in Philadelphia. And people don't realize that during that year, we traded for Chico Resch and brought him in as a backup. And Chico Resch was an excellent, excellent backup in that finals cup run in 87 to Ron Hextall because veteran goalies are much more willing to share. They're much more willing to talk. They're much more willing, even with shooters, they're much more willing to give up, you know, and and have a conversation after. And Chico would say, why would you shoot there? And I'd look at him and go, no goalie ever asked me that. Because I was trying to stop the puck. And, you know, so I think that's what Curtis McElhaney brings, that stability to a group and, you know, the willingness to, to do what has to be done. It's a very difficult role to play, but I'm not quite certain, even with his, his opportunity to go to the world championships this year, something that, you know, really a backup goalie never gets to do something like that. And, you know, does he have, I think your first look may be, does he have more to give this team than the number of games he played and started last year? Hmm. And then, yeah, with Garrett Sparks, it all comes down to, I guess, his mentality because you have to balance that out too, right? Okay, I've done all this at the AHL. I've been uh, playing phenomenal. When when do I get my reward, right? Like, well, when, no is question. that balance? No question. And these are the kind of 
of decisions that have to be made, you know, in a in a beautiful sunny day in July <laughs> when the sky is blue and yes. no one else is thinking about hockey, and that's what a management group is has in the back of their mind, wherever they are, and however they're enjoying this day. Sure, somewhere in the back of their mind. Something floats through if you're on a golf course or on a lake or wherever you may be. It floats through the back of your mind, the exact questions you're asking me right now. Boy, well, it's going to be a fun look ahead to the fall. Uh, Dave, thank you so much as always. Okay, Andy, always a pleasure. All right, Dave Poolin, TSN Hockey Analyst on Twitter, at DJ Poolin20.